Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey there, Solar Warriors, and welcome back to Suncast. If you are new here, I want to say thank you for giving us a chance to earn your attention by lending us your ears and the only non-renewable resource that you've got. That, of course, is your time. Today, we're going to have a fun conversation with Miss Kimberly Centara. If you're unfamiliar with Kimberly, she's one of the only female CEOs of a privately held utility scale, renewable energy consulting practice, at least the ones that I have met. She's got a gigantic track record with more than 12 gigawatts of solar wind energy storage under her belt. She's financed more than $6 billion in projects and counting, and she's been in this game for quite some time. If you recognize her name, it's because we interviewed Kimberly back on episode 537 in November. Today, you are going to hear in this snippet how she thinks about distinguishing herself from the competition. What developers need to understand about land permitting as it pertains to the impact it can have on the success of these large-scale projects. What are some of the things that you need to know related to transmission? What's confusing? What's not straightforward? She gives examples of how to think about the subordination of the project why clients keep coming back and working with her, and so much more. I really did enjoy this conversation with Kimberly. She's a true pro. I think you are going to as well. And if you do love these kinds of conversations, well, you can find more just like this in our almost 600 episodes now published over at mysuncast.com. That's our back catalog where you can dig into other founders' stories and conversations from the front lines of the clean energy revolution. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior as we tune into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. If someone tuning in hasn't figured it out by now, you really are a land expert. Um, you know, your first job at AES was basically taking care of title and real estate for the projects. And you have added on a tremendous amount of additional skill sets, as you pointed to financing. As you took that step out, you know, uh, encouraged by the likes of Howard Sussman to start your own business, deciding that one of the ways you could add value was ensuring that project developers really had their eyes dotted and their T's crossed around the reality of picking the right land and knowing that it was secure. How do you think about distinguishing yourself from the competition? You know, it's a great question. And we think about that a lot. One of the things that we found is if we can get the phone call and we can talk, project talk, then people understand and know that we know a lot and that there's a lot of ways that we can help them be smarter. You know, this is a tough business. It's tough to have projects, you know, succeed. And you've really got to be smart about how you approach things. And there's always things that are going to come out of the blue. You know, there's going to be those gotchas. But as many as, as, you know, we can identify early on and address early on, it's, it's really about helping our clients, you know, leveraging what, what I already know. Let's not make those same mistakes. I've already made them. And how can we 
leverage that to be a lot smarter. And, you know, we're, we're working in markets all across the U.S. We've seen a lot. I'm an expert witness in a very large case right now that happens to involve a mineral severance. And so, you know, I, I've seen a lot. And, and so I really want to help our clients and especially our developers. A lot of our developers are, are you mentioned it, you know, there's a lot of people coming into renewables. We're working with a lot of those people and how can we help them? Are they finding you through referrals or how do they find you? They find us through referrals. We find them sometimes, you know, we're always reaching out to people. A lot of people will come in through our website. I'm doing some speaking. I'm speaking at SPI on, on risk management. I love it when people come in as a referral because then somebody has already said, you have this issue, you need to call TerraPro, you need to call Kim or you need to call Jen or whoever because they're the right ones to help you understand it and sort it out. Help me unpack that then because... In my conversations with you, it seems like you're kind of the fixers. You get called when folks are either try, like last mile, they come up on a problem that you've definitely solved and or seen and resolved in some past. But help me understand the, the things that maybe we'll package it this way. From your experience, maybe we could sort of create a, a mini list for those who are listening that would be thinking, well, what would I, why would I need to reach out to Kim or, or what can I learn from Kim? What do you think developers really need to understand about land procurement as it pertains to the impact it can have on the success of these large utility scale type projects? Thinking about, you know, one of the most important leverage pieces I think we have is time. Mm -hmm. We can either use time to our advantage or it's going to be used against us on these deals as we get close to the closing. So if we're thinking about, you know, that litany of what's going to be coming up, there's there's a series of best practices that we want to look at. And again, with our market experience, we, a lot of times, we're helping our clients address, you know, portfolios, issues. How do you want to plan? You know, if I'm sitting down and I'm talking to you, Nico, about your projects, then I'm going to want to say, when is your NTP? When are you planning COD? You know, backing up from those timeframes. And I think for us, maybe one of the things that really is important is not necessarily looking at something in isolation as just a lease. We're looking at something as a project. I know this is a whole project that you're going to move forward that's going to have to have all these different components, all these different pieces. It's going to need to have, you know, our you know, transmission and all of that. Yeah. Some of the things uh, related to transmission that you've, you've taught me, things like curative documentation, crossing matrix, like the nation, all these things, they tend to be confusing. Can you help unpack some of that for us? I like to think of the idea, you mentioned land real estate, of, of their site control, initial site control. You know, you've got to have site control for your project. Site control means that you've got some kind of an executed document and that you've recorded evidence of that document. And, you know, there's a lot of parameters as far as names of owners, project company, all of that. But at the end of the day, you've got a contract, some kind of lease that you've recorded evidence of. The next step in that process is what I like to refer to as perfected site control. So that's where we start to look at 
all the different elements surrounding that agreement. Do you do you have the right project company? Do you have the right landowners? Do you have the right land? It's surprising how often we'll look at a portfolio of projects or we'll be doing some M&A work or review work and and you know, we'll start out with okay, where's the list that you have so we can compare that and make sure that you're getting what you think you're getting. <laughs> because a lot of times those things uh, don't necessarily align for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. Most of the times we can fix those issues, but that perfected site control is what is then going to take you into financing. And so you start to talk about these ideas of, you know, subordinations and probate documentation and affidavits. And there's a, there's a very long list of things that are going to be needed for a financing. I find that one of the biggest issues that uh, developers coming into the space, maybe coming from real estate or other non-energy related projects don't uh, initially understand and you must run into a fair amount, I, I would bet is the rights of way. We dealt with this a lot in Latin America where the developers would have like a parcel of land and they were going to interconnect some kilometers away and they had not done any real work on connect on the, the, the rights of way, the actual access to the interconnection point. How common is that now? I mean, it feels like that was definitely common in the, in the, in the immature early cowboy days of renewables, but is that still an issue? And what other items like that come up when you're thinking about, will this project work? I think it's absolutely, you know, paramount, you know, for transmission and it does get overlooked. We have one client uh, recently who was surprised to learn that, you know, the access to transmission all has to be part of the, of the survey, all has yeah. to be part of the title insurance, you know, everything has to be buttoned down, you know, all the same curative work has to be done that that's going to be the expectation. So, you know, those particular pieces are going to be as critical as where the improvements are going to be for the project. So it all becomes part of the same part of the same financing package and the, and the security. Yeah. And we've actually, uh, one of the trends that we've seen in our business is a lot of right-of-way review work, you know, because it can get very detailed and there can be projects. We looked at a, a 30-mile transmission line that had probably every kind of ownership you could have from state lands to tribal lands to federal lands, you know, public agencies, private individuals, and so there's a, a very complex strategy that needs to go into acquiring that and then perfecting it. And of course, you know, just tracking a lot of the transmission work that's being done now, there's two or 300 mile, you know, lines in some cases that are going to be installed. And in, in our business, typically, you know, we don't have the power of domain, eminent domain, like the utilities have. So it becomes a matter of, you know, we've got to figure out a way to work with a party. And if we can't, then we, you know, may have to look at some costly alternatives. The tracker market is complex, but you want to maximize profits when installing or specifying tracker systems for your utility scale or large distributed generation solar projects. So use Trina Tracker with its innovative technology that can cut up to 200 man hours. Trina Tracker makes installations easier and faster. 
so you can speed up installation times, reduce labor costs, and lower LCOE to achieve optimal project value. Learn more at mysuncast.com forward slash Trina. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid-cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. Its built-in DC-to-DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, can I borrow your attention for just one minute? How many of you in the residential solar install game right now would really say that your workflow is built to win? You know, in the 2010s, solar was all about sales. I think that the winners of the 2020s is really going to be contractors that focus on operational efficiency. See, margins are getting squeezed and there's a ton of competition out there, but everyone has an opportunity to improve. Would you like to know the score? of the value of your survey and design process? Would you like to hear about the evolution of the installer workflow? Well, then I would encourage you to join myself and my friend Jason Steinberg from Scanifly next Wednesday, the 31st of May at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Or maybe it's this Wednesday, or maybe you already missed it and you need to go see the replay at any point. You are going to benefit from the insights that we're going to reveal the benefits of a tech-driven solar ops program, the transition from manual to digital surveys. It's all there. I hope that you will check in, tune in, register, and uh, throw us some hard questions. We always love it in our live broadcasts. Join us May 31st, 2 p.m. with Scanifly. See you there. I think this is one of those areas where people tend to undervalue your work in the overall process, right? Because they just don't understand it. and they don't know that they don't know. Can you give me some examples of why, for example, I should care about subordination? We have uh, lots of cases, you know, subordinations and, and, you know, curative work. I'd like to say it's just not that sexy, but, um, you know, it's, it's, and, and it's something that a lot of it, you know, people don't care about unless you've been sitting in a transaction at a closing and, you know, you're trying to put a value on, you know, what happens if we, you know, lose this, you know, piece of property in the middle of our project because the lender forecloses. And, um, you know, people question, well, how important could it really be? And, and we have some really interesting examples, even in our business. We have one win project where it took a long time to get the subordination. The, the bank had a specific process. They are not in a hurry just because we're in a hurry. <laughs> and they try to be sympathetic to our closing time schedules, but sometimes that uh, doesn't always happen. And uh, we, we actually had uh, this bank tell our, our developer that they were actually in the process of, of starting construction. In fact, they had started construction. And they told them if they started construction on this particular piece of property, they would put the landowner in default. And if you're in, sitting in the EPC seat, you know, a lot of these projects, obviously we know we've got deadlines for utilities. We've got deliverables. We have all kinds of penalties and different things that kick in. And so it's not easy to just move a, a construction team to a whole nother, you know, wind turbine. They're following a set plan. And so 
you know, if you've got to decommission and then move a, or not decommission, but, you know, move a team, that can easily cost you, you know, $250,000, $300,000. So suddenly this mortgage, and it, you know, a lot of cases, it, it could be a $100,000 mortgage. But, you know, these lenders, you've got to play by their rules. You know, I think one of the things I'm learning is that a lot of the work that you do helps position clients to make decisions around timelines and your deep understanding of what's required to keep, I'll call it the financing train on track is I would imagine what keeps clients coming back and keeps them referring folks to you over the decades of experience that you've developed. I would also imagine that you've developed some sort of IP, either trade secrets or otherwise around how you do that. Is that, is that true? How have you sort of synthesized the information in a way that gives you some sort of intellectual property that helps your team scale and helps your clients uh, succeed? We've spent a lot of time thinking about tools and creating tools that are really easy because our world, you know, real estate and title has its own language. And, you know, I think you said it earlier, as far as understanding value and the value that we bring you know, people don't understand it. They don't even know the questions to ask. And so a lot of our work revolves around taking some material, taking information and being able to synthesize it in a way that we can present it to our clients. And a lot of times today, quickly make decisions. And so a lot of times we'll deliver material in in many different forms to be able to give them a lot of different ways to be able to look at it and, and understand it. We're always looking for new tools. We created a very specific product for one of our uh, clients recently who wanted to do some early stage assessment on projects and understand a lot of details around title. And so we said, you know, share with us your portfolio of projects. We'll take a look at the markets that you're in. And then we ended up creating some reports and some different deliverables that they could then take as project teams and review that and make decisions. You know, Kim, when should we start certain activities? When do we want to be, if we've got this COD or NTP that's going to be in, you know, 2024 or whenever it's going to be, tell us when are our milestone dates? When do we need to be thinking about things? And so a lot of times what we do is, you know, we can interface and just make it a very manageable, easy language. But, you know, honestly, a, a lot of times is, you know, we, we jokingly say, you know, our clients are just, you know, tell us when it's done. Just tell us when it's ready. <laughs> just tell us that, that you've got it. You know, we find we become kind of a, a part of the development team in that respect. You know, we just kind of get brought in and we're working alongside with the design team, with the surveyors, with the title company, with the engineers. You asked earlier about what separates us from our competition. And I think it's that that desire and, and ability on our part to be able to really become part of that team. And, and really, a lot of times, just make, make sure that the, the right conversations are happening, the right information is being exchanged. I get asked a lot to go in and present, you know, I was just asked recently to give a mineral presentation to a development team because they said, look, we, we know minerals is a hot topic right now. We know we need to be concerned about it. 
how do we want to approach it? How, you know, help us, help us to help our development team think about it the right way. And I love when people ask those kinds of questions because, you know, there's an opportunity for us to, again, leverage what we know to help our developers make better decisions. And that's what we want to do at the end of the day. I want to borrow a question that I heard on a recent podcast that you, uh, that you did. And I got to have a hat tip to the folks at Conscious Curiosity down in San Diego. I thought it was a fantastic interview for what it's worth. The host asked a question I'm going to just repeat here, and I'd like to hear your answer uh, in today's version of it, at least. And that is, what was your higher purpose for creating TerraPro Solutions? When you think about being an entrepreneur, creating fertile ground to support other people as employees and to help clients, what do you think about when, with regards to that higher purpose? One of the things that has been really gratifying for me and really compelling for me is to, you know... When I started in renewables, I had a lot of great mentors who were men who afforded me the opportunity when I said, I want to try this. They said, yes, try it, you know, go ahead. And that in a lot of respects was how I ended up really doing what I'm doing. And so I feel like through my business, I am able to create that same environment of nurturing people supporting people, understanding, learning what their strengths are and providing them with those opportunities. And most of the people who work for me never worked in renewables before. They had no idea what renewables was. They had maybe some basic knowledge or a desire. You know, we met and I said, hey, do you want to come in and and work with me? We're doing this renewable thing. And I I think you've got a skill set we could really use. And so we've really seen people evolve and seen that talent evolve. And I love that about our business. I love that we get to, you know, hire, we, we happen to have a lot of great women on our team. You know, it's not a bias. It's just, it's just worked out that way because they were a lot of the really smart people in the room. But I think I love that environment. I love that we get to come together and figure out what our strengths are. And someone will come to me and say, you know, I, I want to try this. And so everyone that works for me started doing something and has evolved into something else. And I love that there's no one telling me you can't do that. And it is, in a lot of respects, my way of paying it forward. I will talk to pretty much anyone, but I love talking to young women that are trying to carve out a career in renewables. I love to encourage them. I love to connect them to people that I know. It's really exciting. And I think even as an entrepreneur, to be able to look ahead with that vision and see these opportunities and think, you know, we have the opportunity to explore it. We can take a look at it. So I I think that's something I really love about what I'm doing. You know, kind of tagging on to what you're saying there, I heard earlier you mentioned how you leveraged mentors like Howard Sussman in your life to make early decisions. And now you get to pay it forward, or as one of my mentors says, send the elevator back down for others. I'd like to hear, what were some of the key questions that you asked in those conversations and coffee meetings with Howard, or that you encourage people to ask when you're helping the females that you're mentoring? Well, first of all, I think people need to ask. You just need to ask, ask for the meeting. You know, a lot of times, especially for, you know, early in our careers, 
maybe we're a little apprehensive. We feel like, oh, they're too busy. They're not going to respond. They're, they don't have time for me, whatever it might be. And I learned to ask. I learned that people want to help you. They want you to succeed. I think also, besides asking, you have to be willing to receive. You have to be willing to listen and receive. So go to that meeting with questions, but be willing to receive, be, be willing to listen. I met with a, a young woman recently and she said, you know, when I was new in this role, I spent a lot of time just listening, you know, just sitting in meetings and listening to learn and understand. I thought that was great. But I think we have to be willing to receive, but ask, you know, be willing to ask. When I meet women, I, I ask them, I say, we need you in renewables. You know, we need you in women's groups like RISE and some of these other groups that are working to create great careers for women. So come and work with us. Bring your ideas, sit with us around the table and help us create that future. And, and I think it's, it kind of works both ways, but those are things that really stand out for me. Well, that's a wrap on today's insightful conversation with my friend and fellow climate Avenger, Kimberly Santara. I love the key insights from Kimberly on mentoring women in this industry and her higher purpose, specifically the way that she goes about building her company. I hope you won't miss our next episode on Thursday. It's an interesting sort of two-part episode with Mr. Bob Blue, CEO and president of Dominion Energy. That's right, the big utility up in Virginia. I got a chance to interview him in person at the UNC Clean Tech Summit. If you're subscribed, you'll get notified when that episode goes live. If you are eager to keep learning, well, you, my fellow Philomath, can find the resources and highlights from this and every other discussion along with the social media links, book recommendations over on the blog at mysuncast.com. I want to thank, once again, our sponsors. We help make this content free to you each and every week. You can learn more about them and their offers at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. That's also where you can learn how to partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions twice a week. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, solar warrior. It's half the battle.